0: Oh, are you working on something new? Welcome and thank you for joining Something New, a bi-weekly musical theater podcast where I, Joel B. New, invite an exceedingly talented friend over to my apartment, we chat a bit, and then we learn and record a brand new song, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist is a New York City-based voice teacher whose current students are range in age from six years old to adults he maintains a full studio of students at the studio in new canaan connecticut and recently opened his own studio in astoria queen's after graduating with a bachelor's in music education from ball state university he studied vocology and the steel voice method under tom burke joan later joan melton and others he also studied musical theater acting at the Jen Waldman studio, mm. a previous guest. Exactly. His clients have and can currently be seen on Broadway, national tours, and regionally. Naturally, I'm talking about Chris York. Hello. How's How are it going? you? I'm good. I'm good. This Thanks is for fine. joining me. Thanks for having me. This is really, really cool.
1: Yeah, and of course. I've been listening for years. However long <laughs> it's been going. For a year. Well, thank you. So I'm honored this is... Hearing your voice do the the intro, I was like, oh, I've heard this before, but only on my computer. So this is really... <laughs> That's <laughs> very flattering. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of overwhelmed and, and nervous now. No, so you're, cool. you're you're
0: doing great so great. far. You recorded a song. Um, An awesome song. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited to share it with the world. Uh, thanks for coming all the way to Astoria. You know. No, you know, you know it's such a trek. I live in Astoria, well, so like it's like a five-minute walk yeah, or yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty far. <laughs> <That's good> to- <laughs> so I always like to talk a little bit how we know each other. Yeah, of course. And, um... Once again we you know we've, we've met through through Jen Waldman studio, studio through Kevin Kevin through um, just a lot we
1: know a lot of yeah awesome people I was actually in Jen Waldman class years ago and I'm sure this story has been told before but um, Rita Stryker was singing one of your songs and I remember thinking like, man that song's really really good and I didn't know it and you know being a voice teacher and being a nerd I I, I should know most songs and I didn't know it and so and Jen Waldman had the same reaction, and everybody in class had the same reaction. So I heard your name, but I didn't know that years later we would be buddies. So it was it was kind of cool. So I knew of you before I actually knew you, and now I'm just kind of cooler by proxy. Well, is, that, you know... great.
0: It geeks me out that anyone knows my name before they know <laughs> who I am. Well, <laughs> I was one of them. I was one of them. Yes! Sure. Yes! So, Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, let's just dig into the yeah. questions, shall we? Please. So... So you and I didn't know this, uh, shame on me. But you actually have a degree in music education. I do. yes. Whereas I feel that a lot of the teachers that I people who go into helping others are based in like mm-hmm. their background is in performance, and then then they learn that they're also amazing at helping others. Right. So when and how did you come to the conclusion much earlier in your career that you that you wanted to educate? Yeah. Um,
1: I I. Don't even know if it was a decision as much as it was just genetics. Um, my both of my parents are teachers. My grandmother's a teacher. My aunts and uncles, a bunch of them, are teachers. And uh, <laughs> it, I don't know what what gene it is that maybe I'm always trying to fix people, but <laughs> or help help <laughs> others' lives. But yeah, you know, I grew up um, when I was a little kid. I used to uh, build barricades in my backyard, um, and my parents would be out of the room for a second, my brother and I would grab all the furniture and drag it out into the backyard and build barricades and wave red table t- tops or uh what are those called? Yeah, uh red tablecloths. Tablecloths. Try that again. Used to drag all the furniture out <laughs> So you drag the furniture so out. So I would drag the furniture, yeah. And make, make these make barricades. Make these barricades, Use I would wave flags. Barricades. And 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 play uh, play les mis in the backyard. So I knew That's at a very amazing. early age that the performing arts were an important part of my life, and as as I got older, um, you know, I had a lot of opportunity to teach, um, cadet teaching, whatever you do in high school, and and I thought, well, I want to go to school to be a teacher, and then maybe someday I'll be an actor, but right now I just want to get that degree, and so I went to Ball State, and I put in five very hard years of, uh, of choral music education and, and came out. And I was student teaching, and I w- I, knowing very little about the industry, I thought, well, it's time bringing the story full circle. It's time to go audition in New York for Les Mis, because Les Mis is doing a tour. And being a kid in Indiana, not knowing anything, I was like, yeah, I'll probably just walk in and probably get the job, because that's the natural progression of The things. natural yeah, progression that's from... how I got my story. Exactly, from, from the tabletop, tablecloth to Broadway, I, w- I just assumed that was what was happening, so I got I got into, I think we were in Chelsea Studios, and I flew to New York for, I used every penny that I had, um, flew to New York for about 23 hours, because I, I had to teach the next morning, and I uh, went to the audition and sat around in the room for about three hours, and didn't understand at all what was going on, I had a book with one song in it, and a headshot that my father had taken, and...
0: I love the story.
1: This uh, monitor finally kind of pulls me over, and I probably looked as green as a pea, and was like, "So, are are you trying to sing today?" I was like, "Yeah, I I just I'm ready to sing for Les Mis. Is it my turn?" He says, "Are you Equity?" And I was was like, "What is Equity?" I I don't know what that is. So, um, (laughs) so he very kindly uh, sent me on my way. He was like, "You're not going to get seen today. Enjoy your time in New York. Go home." So. So I'm, you know, the only place in New York that I knew was Times Square, so I found my way to Times Square. I didn't know a soul, not a soul, and had hours to kill till I got on the plane. How old were you? 22, probably. Yeah, maybe. About 22. I was a senior in college. Yeah, I was a baby. So I'm walking around Times Square, and I see... This building that has actors' equity written on it. And I was like, oh, that's equity. I'll just go sign up now so that I can be in equity. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then I can probably be in Les Mis, and maybe I can get that done before I go home tonight. That was
0: yeah, just, just you know, naive. Just go join equity. Go
1: join equity like you do. And so I'm standing in the lobby, and they've got that rule where you can't you know walk past a desk. I was like, this is really weird. So I'm sitting out in what I thought was maybe a line to sign up for equity, And I've got my book because I have no possessions, and I've got my book with me, and next thing I know, this monitor comes and takes my headshot, and it says, um, okay, it's your turn. I was like, for for what? She's like, for the Fulton Opera House season, it's your turn, you get eight bars. So, I walk into the lobby, which I'm previously not allowed to be into, and go into the room, and there's a bunch of people behind the table, and I sit my song down, sing my eight bars, and then i leave leaving all of my possessions in the room like my my music and my everything and cause I, I didn't know and i'm filling up my water bottle in the the drinking fountain that i was not allowed to be in yes and yes. i hear chris york and i thought i was in trouble so i like to start running out okay. of, you're Yeah running, you're running away it. Because I thought I had broken Some sort of equity rule And they were going To shoot me on the spot Or something Well they're pretty strict They are You know It's, it's, it's a big deal um, it's, it's Michael Mitchell Who is the executive director Of the Fulton And he chases me Out of the room As I'm running Basically down <laughs> Down Broadway And he's like Wait 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 Did you come all the way To um, To New York To sing for us today and being like the honest kid from Indiana, I was like, no, this was an accident. I got the oh. wrong line. I came to audition for Les Mis, and I got lost. But thank you so much for hearing me. I'm really sorry. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. No, we, we really we loved, we loved what you did. Um, <laughs> what's your availability? And so now I've like completely stopped this audition process by being this goofus. And, he, and, he's, and I said, well, I'm still in school. I'm finishing my student teaching. He says, so you can't be in the show that we're casting for right now. But here's my card, and he says, I'm going to call you when you get back to Indiana. And he says, I've got an opportunity for you. So I get home to Indiana, and uh, a couple weeks pass by, and he calls me, and he says, we have, we give out an internship, a full paid, like, performing internship at the theater at the Fulton, which is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and would you be interested in taking it? And about two minutes earlier, I got uh, a big job interview call for a teaching job. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take this, you know, $50 a week job or whatever it was and turn down this major Indianapolis opportunity teaching in Indiana. And, and I did it. And I moved to Pennsylvania. And I did it for a year. And it was awesome. And I, I worked with so many great performers are now, all like on Broadway and doing amazing things and awards and stuff. And and the Fulton was a great, you know, it was a really nice family to kind of grow up before I went to New York because yeah, yeah. clearly I needed it <laughs> and so I learned the ins and the outs of the industry and I went to the city and I I auditioned for a really short period of time and felt really in my heart that I was more happy behind the piano that I always liked mm-hmm. the rehearsal process more than the performance I didn't get that that rush of the crowd as much as I got the rush of like hearing a chord sung for the first time or watching somebody create a character and so with the teaching background, I started um, teaching voice lessons at the studio in New Canaan. And um, that kind of blew up really, really fast. And all of a sudden, I had more clients than I knew what to do with. And I've been there now seven years. And I this isn't public yet, but I, I'll make it public. I just got hired by Pace University. Um, congratulations. that's kind of fun. Yeah, I'm going to be an uh, uh, adjunct voice faculty there. and. I work for a company called MTC MTCA, which is Musical Theater College Auditions, and that's a great, a great company too. And then, yeah, I teach out of the city, so all from from Les Mis. Basically, here I am with Joel B. News singing, singing songs. That was the <laughs> best story I've heard in such a long time. It's, it's all true. It's it's an accident, but it's uh, serendipitous. That, so.
0: is the, that is a great story. <laughs> yeah. So, um. So you teach, you teach all ages? All ages, yeah. I know you teach a lot of kids. I do. I, I would
1: say that that's probably where my heart lies as a teacher um, and probably my specialty. I've got um, a lot of professional clients. Um, you know, I've got one of the Matildas, um, one of the Simbas on Lion King, uh, about every Jane or Michael Banks that's ever been in Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and it's kind of cool because... I guess that's where it comes full circle too. Is that I learned how to sing. I took voice lessons because when I was a kid, I wanted to be Givroche, and and that was like if I can sing this song, I can I can probably be in Broadway. They'll call me at my house again. Yep. I, I didn't know yep. it worked. And so now I'm I rehearse daily with kids who are on Broadway and kind of doing that thing that was always a dream for me. And I'm helping their dreams come true. So it's it's really cool. Um, it's it's you know my my 9-year-old self would be really impressed with what i do
0: at 31. So, it's kind of cool. I'm impressed. <laughs> and i'm not <laughs> nine. Thank you. Well, um so do you your teaching methods yeah. kid, kids versus adults. Do you yeah. find do, do you find that similar methods work? Do you do you treat your kids like adults or your adults like kids or either? <laughs> um I, I think a lot of adults
1: act like children, so yep, it's especially fair actors, fair. so we don't have to work that hard at differentiating. <laughs> no. Um, we just want to have fun. Yeah, you know, I think every voice lesson is, it, it's part physical therapy, it's part emotional therapy, it's part artistic inspiration, and, and the best thing that you can do as a teacher, I really think, is to listen, that your most important the, mo- the two most important things you have as a voice teacher are your ears and your heart and the mind is very important the brain is very important but that's that's truly secondary because you may know exactly that yes this person is constricting on this note and their false vocal folds are clenched up and it's the gastric muscles that are but that doesn't matter if the reason that they're doing it is because there's an emotional blockage or that this somebody told them when they were children that you can't sing and and all of a sudden here they are at Thirty or forty, and every time they go for this note that sounds like a sung note, that voice comes back in and says, "Ew, you're singing through your nose." When they're not, and so you've got to kind of figure out how to in- encourage and give courage to their heart, and and allow that voice to be free, and then all the technical stuff comes on top of it. But that's that's secondary, and uh, so yeah, kids and kids and adults are all the same because um, sometimes the Broadway
0: kids are really mature it's like talking to a 40 year old and and sometimes talking to a 40 year old is like a six year old so (laughs) do you find that the six year olds have less baggage
1: yeah um that's i think that's that's the greatest part about it is that no one's told them no yet and and you can trace that all the way back to like babies infants cry and scream all day long and they never lose their voice it's it's when we get older, and we're told repeatedly, shh, don't do that, shh, like don't, don't, you know, it's like dogs in New York that don't bark, they go, woof, woof, and they never learn to bark. Well, it's, that's not natural, and neither is the fact that we don't let our voice free, so most of any vocal damage or things that come are from some sort of, like, squeezing down because we've told ourselves, or the world has told us, don't do that, don't sound like that, and so... Yeah, children, you pretty much just kind of open the door, you listen and you make sure that everything that they're doing is healthy, and, and then you kind of just let them explore because that's, it's, it's fascinating really to watch. Um, you know, I had a, a kid that came in and he was told um, for a, an audition something, it had a very specific note that they didn't like the timbre of his voice, that it sounded too the term they used was ethnic um, which is it's, it's what it is wow. um, yeah. yeah but the I, so I was like okay well here's the sound that they're looking for and and your voice is your voice and it's going to be what your voice is but here's the sound and I want you to just listen to it and we're gonna play around and figure out how to make you make that sound and for an adult that would take about 12 years it took him about 12 seconds he's like okay I got it and then just replicated the sound and, was like, and I said, "Now, nah, good. Now, does that still feel like you? He's like, yeah. And I was like, and the other one, does that still feel like you? Yeah. Great. They're both you. And then we just have to figure out what hoop we're jumping through for which casting
0: director. And
1: so, so yeah. It's, it's kind of cool.
0: My last question, I wanted, to, you know, if anyone's listening who, you know, is feeling a little, I don't know, blocked. Yeah, vocally of Or creatively. I mean, what are some just go-to... Creative, creative blocking, um, I have
1: recently started having my students sing for five minutes, non-stop cappella every day, so your mouth has to keep going, sound has to keep coming out of your voice, it doesn't matter what it is, it could be, you know, like, I have them start on something like Amazing Grace, or Happy Birthday, and then just keep going and improvising on that idea. And allowing... Uh, it's an idea I stole from uh, Bobby McFerrin. But allowing that to just, like, access your creativity. It's kind of like a, a musical version of writing pages. Um, mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. more More, more just, morning just, yeah. pages from the artist's way. And just making sound. And find some place where you're comfortable doing it. Don't record yourself uh, until you're ready to hear it. But just yeah, sort of vomit out the sound, and just be like, I made sound, la and all of a sudden, stuff starts to happen, and, you know, I also always say that as musicians, silence is our canvas, and that when we, we as artists try so hard to cover up that silence, but sometimes all we need is just a fleck of paint on the white canvas, and it brings our attention Yep. And so the magic happens in the in-between. By singing a cappella as as artists and as creative people, it brings out that magic in the in-between, and you learn to listen to the space around you, yep. to sing into the room, wherever room you're in, and, and doing that. And then voice lesson-wise, uh, vocally fueled block, most of the time I find that people in this industry are overachievers, and overachievers tend to overblow, so that we're always putting more air inside our voice than what we need. So a really handy way to fix that is to get a water bottle, which I have in my hand, and to just blow into the water bottle. And you're blowing in, and you're creating sort of an equilibrium so that the amount of air that goes into your water bottle, some of that is coming back and hitting your vocal folds on the opposite side, and it creates sort of, uh, your false vocal folds open up, your your soft palate opens up, everything kind of opens, and it creates a calming feeling on both sides, and then you hum into that. So you could hum, like the melody of this, for example. Uh, and then you go from there into a less blocked thing, like an NG. And then as time goes on then you free that sound and you let it, maybe later
2: maybe later
1: and that kind of frees up that sense of putting too much subglottic air pressure and
0: closing down the throat your you're song. so cool <laughs> does the water bottle need to have water in it um that- you know I, I yeah it doesn't have to have water <laughs> in it no um,
1: in fact some people are so uncoordinated like myself that maybe they will drown with water in it so you don't need oh, water okay. in it yeah. Um, but as long as you've got just a little bit of a pocket of air that you have something can blow into and then send it back, um, the scientific theory behind it is called semi-occluded vocal tract. And mm-hmm. A man named Dr. Ingo Tietza does a lot of stuff with straws too, which I use. Tom uses. See, yeah, it's seen kind of straws. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of sweeping the city, and it's it's scientific. And there's we're narrowing the vocal tract to reduce pressure and to find the right amount of of air pressure essentially that we need while still keeping the,
0: the false vocal folds in the throat open so it's fun yeah it's really cool y'all learned something today Um, (laughs) going to um, school going to school uh so now is the time where we're gonna set up the song great uh i asked chris york to come over and sing a song that i haven't aired publicly in about six years Mm -hmm. I, i wrote this song probably about six years ago um uh my alma mater ocu was doing um concert of my songs and um which was a wonderful deadline i'm super grateful because now i you know have the majority of the songs that make up standalone which is my song cycle um which is coming together nicely and one one of the songs in it um is a song entitled maybe later and um it's just a just a nice story song um you know i had lost my grandpa around the time that this concert was coming up, and I knew that I needed to respond to that artistically for myself, and um, and so this song kind of came into being because of that, because of both of those needs. Because mm-hmm. there's a deadline, and and I needed it for myself. Cool. Um, yeah. Did you? Did
1: you um... Yeah, I have a question, I mean, I, okay. I, cool. I listen to these podcasts, and I always want to hear more from the composer. So, as as a writer, you. I don't even know if yeah. what your answer is, but as a writer, when you have a story to tell, does your do you feel like your music comes mm-hmm. as a result of the story you're trying to tell and the style of the music, or do you
0: have have a tune that comes together? Where does what's your process as a writer? It's uh, it's it's always a combination of things. Um, you know, there are a lot of popular theater story songs out there, mm-hmm. and and once I know, you know, I definitely wanted it to be from a guy's point of view. And so I listened to a bunch of guy story songs and just reminded myself of... I'm always reminding myself of, of song forms mm-hmm. and things like that and kind of going, all right, well, this is going to be a story. You know, is there, you know, a, is there something that we're going to return to? Um, and so, you know, and, and that dictates form, you know, are, are, is there a chorus? Mm-hmm. Is the chorus just two words? Is it, you know, are, are we going to go the AAVA route? You know how, and I also kind of time these things, I'm like, how long do I want to spend on this song, or how long do I want an audience to sit with a song that's, that's, that's about loss, you know, how long can we stay with a song like that, without, you know, wanting to go to the bathroom, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's always, it's the bathroom breaks, the time the bathroom breaks. The world revolves around bathroom breaks. It's so true, and so, um... So I ask myself a lot of those questions, and you know, I, I write down the story I, I want to tell, and you know, you know, very you know, prose-ish, and then from there I build a skeleton, and you know, some and sometimes if the form hasn't been revealed, you know, I sound so spiritual. If this if the form has been revealed at that point, usually the skeleton will tell me, you know, oh, it looks like we're coming back to this idea of you know, putting off our loved ones, you know because we have, quote-unquote, other things to... better things to do. Yeah. And, um... Or, or so we think at the time. And so, you know... Well, it was a tricky song to write for many reasons, but, you know, one of them is because it is... You know, as story songs are, they, they are hindsight songs. And yeah. so, your character already knows where the, the ending, song's gonna of end. Yeah. The turn isn't about, you know, the end of the song. The turn is where the character surprises himself at the end and 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 he reveals something to himself and to the audience you know because it is a fourth wall course, yeah. a song that you know that he feels that he's not allowed to grieve because he's you know he, he's put, put off, off yeah. getting to know this, this this incredible man and my grandfather was an amazing person yeah so that's that and remember if you if you like the song and chris's performance of it and you totally will Um, It's going to be available for free download on my SoundCloud page. Yay! Until the next podcast. And if you'd like to request sheet music, you may write me at jolbenew at gmail.com for a free PDF. Uh, Be sure you like my fan page on Facebook. Do you have a fan page?
1: I don't have a fan page. I have a website. Um, Which is... Which is www.chrisyourvoicestudio.com And you can... uh, Find me on there, or you can also email me at Chris at Chris York Voice and uh, get together and we'll help you love your voice.
0: Yay! Yay. I love your voice. <laughs> uh, love and your music. <laughs> it's a love fest. Yay! Uh, so visit our websites, especially Chris York Voice Subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends. Uh, next episode is vocal massage therapist Christine Patterson. Oh, fun. Yeah, there's a lot of smart things to say. And last but not least, thank you so much for doing hey, this Hey, thanks a lot, man. This is a thank blast. Uh, from my apartment in Astoria, this is Joel B. New. And Chris York. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Thank you.
2: My father loved to go out fishing I've never known a passion half as strong And even though his health was less than great I'd watch him gearing up with hooks, lines, and bait Then hear him invite me along But I was just a kid then And addicted to staying inside Catching fish just sounded boring I couldn't tell him that And so I lied. Maybe later. I said maybe later. later. Like that, I'm suddenly a grown-up. I left the nest to try what I could try Yet yeah, that is what I did and had a ball Then every month or so my grandpa would call To ask when I planned to stop by I heard him getting older I knew one day he wouldn't be there Live my life or watch his ending I knew what should be done Chose not to care You know what comes next. I lost my grandpa. There's no ironic ending up my sleeve. The service was last week. I chose not to go. It's what I've always done, yet you want to know when I plan to make time to grieve. But that's not gonna happen. I don't understand why it should I mean people lose love once all of the time And if tears don't come Is that such a crime? Leave the crying to those with memories to share Those who went out to fish The ones who were there Could have been there with him Chose not to know how So I don't get a cry, alright? Not right now